Tim, are you in here? Oh, hey, Tim. Gave us somewhat of a, an, an update. And um, give me about one minute, Tim. Bring us up to date quickly. Right. Amen. Like his, like his daddy. Have the, have the appetite of his daddy. Speaking of that and, and not eating, let me, let me mention something to you. A couple of people know this, but if you'll remember Scott and Sarah Davis that were here um, they left nine years ago. I can't believe it was that long ago. You know, Scott was a deacon and Sarah and the kids were very involved in life here, church life. Well, Sarah was diagnosed with colon cancer um, six or eight months ago. She's had two massive <coughs> surgeries. And uh, Diane and I went to see her two weeks ago. Uh, and she, she's not going to make it. She's 48 years old, and uh, I bet she doesn't weigh 80 pounds. And the last month and a half has been just catastrophic for her. And uh, so uh, I want to pray for her before I preach and before we watch the little movie segment. Uh, ask God to be merciful. You know, the two children, Evie and Ridge, they're teenagers now. I think Evie just turned 16. I think Ridge is 14. And uh, I don't think their mom's long for this world. And uh, we just want to pray for her and pray for Scott. It's, I'll just be honest with you, I love them, but the situation's not good at home. It's, it's, it's a war, and uh, it's not good. So I uh, want to pray for Sarah. So let's do that now while we're praying. You also pray for TJ and for his appetite. Father, when I, I think about Sarah, and then when I see Sarah by, by picture, I'm reminded of what sin does. That sin just eats away at our spiritual health like cancer has eaten away at, at her physical body. And Father, though in Your divine plan you, you, you may not choose to heal her physically, Lord, we know the victory has already been won spiritually. And we do believe, as Paul said, that we're more, we're more than victorious. We're more than conquerors 
through Him who loved us and gave Himself for us. Father, I pray for Evie and for Ridge and Your mercy upon them. Lord, I pray for Scott and I pray for that home. Oh God, I just pray that You'd be merciful. Father, may folks like myself and others that will visit in that home, may we be a ray of hope and of grace and mercy. Pray that You'll bless the relatives, the the dad and the brother that lives right next door, that You'll bless that family as they have to make decisions for the future for two precious teenagers. God, thank You for TJ and Lord, thank You that he's up there as a missionary for the Gospel. And Lord, it's a tough go. It's a tough go. And none of us in this room want to be there. Lord, but he's there and we want to support him. And Lord, we think of him daily and we just pray that, it's, that God, in the midst of this struggle, this physical struggle, that God, whatever it would take for his body to be strengthened with nutrition, we pray that you'll do that. But God, our ultimate prayer is that he would be hungry and that he would want to eat and be strengthened. God, we love you. And Lord, when everything's said and done, we look forward to giving you the, the, the praise for all that you do in, in, in these families' lives. Thank you for Tim and Marianne. Continue to bless them and bless their marriage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I mentioned, we're in John chapter 17. If you have your Bibles there, you can go to about verse 10. But we're going to be looking at what, what's called the high priestly prayer. But Jesus is going to talk about the world. We're talking about worldliness today. And uh, so let's, let's go ahead and play that for us, Bill. I'll bring the lights down some and maybe that'll help you see. Maybe it won't. Does that help? is yours and all you have is mine and my glory is shown through them and now I am coming to you I am no longer in the world but they are in the world Holy Father keep them safe by the power of your name the name you gave me so that they may be one just as you and I are one while I was with them, I kept them safe by the power of your name, the name you gave me. I protected them, and not one of them was lost, except the man who was bound to be lost, so that the scripture might come true. And now I am coming to you, and I say these things in the world, so that they may have my joy in their hearts in all its fullness. I gave them your message, and the world hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. But I do ask you to keep them safe from the evil one. 
Just as I do not belong to the world, they do not belong to the world. Dedicate them to yourself by means of the truth. Your word is truth. I sent them into the world just as you sent me into the world. And for their sake, I dedicate myself to you in order that they too may be truly dedicated to you. I pray not only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their message. I pray that they may all be one. Father, may they be in us, just as you were in me and I am in you. May they be one so that the world will believe that you sent me. I gave them the same glory you gave me, so that they may be one just as you and I are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be completely one, in order that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them as you love me. Father, you have given them to me, and I want them to be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, the glory you gave me. For you loved me before the world was made. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know. Isn't it awesome? Let me say that. Isn't that awesome? It's incredible. I love that that movie. Your Bible's open now to John chapter, John chapter seventeen, and I want you to keep your Bibles open. Uh, we're going to be in several verses in in the Gospel of John this morning. I was thinking about that this that something about this weekend. Uh, Nineteen years ago, um, we when we first dedicated our sanctuary. Um, now I'm fixing to pull a scab off to myself, but of myself. But we had special Wednesday nights, uh, so we got we dedicated the building, and so right after that, it, I think we dedicated the building in March or April. So this would have been May or June uh, of that same year to 2004. We invite we had special events every Wednesday night. Okay, one of which was the Auburn Gospel Choir. We're going to forget about that one. That, that might have been a Sunday night, but whatever it was, we're going to forget about it. Okay? We're not going to worry about the Auburn Gospel Choir. But one of the other things I had was, uh, was a coach from Auburn, a former coach from Auburn. Head, he was a head defensive coach at Auburn in the 80s into the early 90s. And his name was Wayne Hall. If you're a big Auburn fan, you might remember Coach Wayne Hall. He, in the day, he was a great defensive coach, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, number one, I had several people come because they did not know that he had been saved. And they could not believe Wayne Hall was going to speak in a local church. Seriously. I had three people visit on, on that Wednesday night because they did not, they'd never known that Wayne had gotten saved. And so they had to come see this man that they once knew to be, you know, one of the meanest men and whatever, language, whatever, they'd ever they'd been around. Anyway, well, one of the things that Wayne shared was he, he talked about, and I just, again, that because it's football season, we all can make an application of this. He said one of the most disgusting things to him now, as he, as he was saved and now he 
had kind of had his own ministry. I don't even know where he is now, but at that point in his life, he had his own ministry. He was kind of out of coaching, doing his own thing, doing clinics. But he was so burdened over the millions and millions and millions and tens of thousands and tens of thousands and thousands upon thousands of dollars that people in local churches would spend to support Auburn, but they wouldn't support the local church. He, he just had encountered so many people that would give for... And again, they're not bad reasons, but they're idolatrous because his point was, and I agree, if you're willing to give more because you want a football team to win then you'll give to the local church. I'll tell you, you have a big idol. And so I'll never forget, there's a man who was in that part of the world, was right in the midst of it, and benefited from people who gave tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars so he could make a good living. But now that he had gotten saved and was serving the Lord Jesus Christ, he, it disgusted him at that part of worldliness. Folks, that things like that, that kind of life should disgust us. But there's so many more things the Bible says that we're involved in that that literally makes us worldly. And Jesus is praying. That's called the high. And I love of all the ones I've watched, and we've watched this twice all the way through. But that one portrays because it's called the high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying. And John happened to be there and he overheard the Lord's Prayer. So God brings that to his remembrance and he pins it down many, many years later. So in John, in John 17, the role that... That's what I read Revelation 1 for because I was thinking about that. He's the high priest. And so as the high priest, he was praying for the protection of his believers. But one of the profound things he says, they're in the world. He says... I'm no longer in the world. I mean, you've got to think this is the last few hours of his earthly life. He knows he seeks to be arrested. I'm no longer in the world. He says, but they're in the world. And he says, I want them in the world, but they're not of the world. And folks, that has been the truth of every Christian since Jesus walked upon the face of the earth. We, as followers of Christ, are to be in the world. That means we're not supposed to go buy 30 acres out in the middle of nowhere and build a bunker and dare anybody to come around us. We're in the world. We, need, we are the salt and the light, but we're not to live like the world. Now, I'm aware, if you, if you look, even if you look at the Gospel of John, world is used in a variety of ways. Okay, So let me clarify. You know, The word world, it talks about the cosmos. It comes from the Greek word cosmos. So many times, the Bible says He came into the world. Well, He's talking about He he came to see humanity. That's not the idea of the word world when the Bible calls us worldly. Uh, That's not the idea. So here's the thing. Created order would be one way of taking it. The The company of all those that bear His image, like the population of all of humanity could also be used, you could just say, the world. The world's population. Every human being that's ever lived or is alive today. The world. And because every person that's ever been conceived, 
or that's alive or has lived, bear the image of God. And so you can use the word world to describe population. The cosmos. You can talk about the beauty of creation, the beauty of the world. But that's not what worldliness means. Let me give you a little definition. When we think of the word worldliness or being worldly for a Christian, uh, it's what conflicts with you and I being Christ-like. So whatever intrudes on us as we pursue Christ-likeness, that's the worldliness the Bible's talking about and Jesus is talking about when He says they're in the world but not of the world. Let me read you a little definition. I mean, you can you could Google while we're sitting here on your phone and read many biblical definitions for worldliness, but I'm going to read you one I put together from about four different definitions. One is, or a person is, of the world when life is driven by and satisfied with. Let me read it again. One is of the world when life or their life is driven by and satisfied with the ideals and the vain pursuits that are dictated by the spirit of the age, the God of this world, and the corrupt desires of your fallen nature. Let me read it again. One is of the world when life is driven by and satisfied with the, ideal, the ideals and the vain pursuits that are dictated by the spirit of the age, the God of this world, or the prince of the power of the air, and your own corrupt nature. So if those things are dictating your life's decision, the Bible's going to tell us that you are and I am worldly. And the Bible says, love not the world nor the things of the world. If the love of the world is in you, then the love of the Father is not. Now, again, it's not talking about losing one's salvation, but you can't, Jesus says, John says, you cannot love the world and love me at the same time. It's the same thing Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You can't have two masters. He says, you'll either love the one or despise the other. You cannot serve God, and then he says, God and money. You cannot serve God and and mankind. You just, you just can't do it. Now, I want to read the passage in John 17 that we just watched a little bit. So, I'm in John 17, but keep your Bibles open because... Now, I don't want to scare you. Well, this will scare you, but okay. Now, now I want you to think about, in John's an older apostle. Okay, Even when he writes his gospel, if you're, we did a study years ago in John and then in his gospels. He's the last apostle standing. I did a series called The Last Man Standing. No other apostles are alive when he writes his gospel and when he writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the Revelation. He's the last one standing. And it's, it is odd that God, because He already said the Spirit was going to bring to remembrance to them the things He wanted, that the Spirit of God and, and God's presence didn't impress Him to write till later in life. So if, if there's an apostle that has sat back and watched believers get consumed by the world, because John pastored in Ephesus, he, John had traveled through Corinth, he had been all over Asia, Asia Minor, what now today is Turkey. He had been all over those areas, and, he had, and obviously 
being 90 years old, he had seen believers love the world more than they did Christ or, you might say, the work of the church. So he had watched that. So it's not by chance that later in life God... Plus, you don't find this in the synoptics. That's, you know, in God's sovereign decree of writing His Word, He picked John to write this after the synoptics had been written because their storyline is synonymous. John is completely different. And, and so they didn't write about this high priestly prayer, but John did. So I'm picking up at verse 11. If your Bible's open, but keep them open to John because we are going to be all over the place. Before I read this, the word world. Now, again, I've given you three ways it can be used. The beauty of the world, the population of the world, or this evil spiritual battle part. But the word world, cosmos as we would translate it, is, is used 280 times in the Bible. Translated world. The Bible. 200, matter of fact, it's 288 times. In John's Gospel, it appears 80 times. In John's first epistle, 1 John, it appears 16 times. So of the 288 times, John uses the word world 96 times out of 288 times. So, by the way, if you wanted to study the doctrine of worldliness or what the Bible says about... Obviously, you'd want to read the Gospel of John and go to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. I'm not going to try to cover all those verses. Now think, 80 times in John's Gospel, he uses the word world. Now, we're not going to look at all 80. But we are going to look at over 25 of them. But, but hang in there. Just, okay, don't. We got... I got a new clock. Look, everybody turn around. Look at that clock. Look, look. See it? That means nothing to me. I'm fine. It's Moses. Thank you. Moses did it for I asked Moses to get me a clock. I could see. I can see that. I have a little one up here. But obviously you must think it doesn't work because I never follow it. So let's... Verse 11. I'm going to tell you before I read this, this is the one thing in my life I struggle with every moment of every day. And that's trying to discern when I'm worldly. It's it's a battle for me. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And folks, that's the only thing we're going to have that does battle. The word and the spirit. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. 
So obviously, biblical obedience, obedience to the Word of God, separates us from the world. Just as I am not of the world. Here we go. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you may keep them from the evil one. That's specifically talking about Lucifer, Satan, the god of this age, the prince of the power of the air. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. That's the word set apart. Okay. Have you ever thought about, and I say this a lot, I mean, you know these things to be true. Sanctify them. The word sanctify. The same root word of, is lack of righteousness, but sanctify is the word for set apart. Okay, And that's interesting because the word church means a set apart group of people. Sanctify them in the truth. So what's going to separate us, sanctify us, is only the truth. And look what he says. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now this is the word become flesh saying this. Your word is truth. I mean in some ways he's speaking. and he's. I mean you look at the the language, he's not necessarily speaking of himself, but you could take it that way too. Uh, your word, him, the word become flesh, but that's not what he's you, Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. So he, part of that is him being set apart all the way to to, to the cross. Now, what I want you to do is take your, your gospel here of John, and I want you to go back, and we're going to start at John chapter 1, okay? And I just want you to see in John's gospel, and then we're going to go to 1 John, and I want you to see with me briefly some of the things that the Bible says about the world. John chapter 1, okay? I won't make many comments, but I do want you to see this. John 1.9 says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's talking about the incarnate coming of Christ. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus would later say in John 8.12, I'm the light of the world. John 1.29, The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8 talks about Jesus coming in this world to take, take away sin. So John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and, and said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And by the way, His disciples, John the Baptist said that, his, the disciples of John the Baptist believed Him. And they left Him and went and followed Jesus. I like that picture. John 3.16. You know it. We'll read John 3.16 and 17. Look what He says. For God so loved the world. Now He's talking about the, the, the whole world. All the population. Every person that's ever lived. The world. But specifically, thinking biblically worldview. Okay? The Jews, God had called them separately. Read, you know, Exodus, the first five. 
I mean, Israel failed. God became the true vine. We learned that last week. But Israel failed. And so Jesus became the true vine. And, and so the world is all these nations that were rejected at the Tower of Babel. That's where all the nations came from. All the languages came from. It's where all the different skin colors and all that started. All the pigments changed. All at the Tower of Babel. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight. That these nations have been in darkness. And in order for them to see the light, they have to hear the gospel. So Jesus, under that context... Now you could say this is universalism. Because God loves the world. No, no. But God, He just doesn't love the Jews. Right? He's not, the Jews are not the only group of people Jesus loves. He didn't come to die just for the Jews, right? But the gospel is for the Jew first and then for the Gentile. So he's saying, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. So God loved the world. Verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Folks, this is one of the reasons why the church is so important. We, now all that, God's love of the world, He didn't send Him in to condemn, but the world be saved. When you think that, and we know it's true, two important verses in the gospel, but then you turn around and say, we, we, Redland Baptist, we, are the body of Christ. So we're not here to condemn the world. We're here to share the gospel with them. You know, these people, all these different, these agnostics, these perverts, the Democratic Party sometimes, the, the whatever, they're not our enemy. They're our mission field. These folks need a heart change. They need to be saved. That's why Christ came into the world. Verse 19, John three nineteen says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love darkness rather than light. Is that not true? That's the condemnation. They've rejected the light of the gospel. Look at John 4. John 4.42 says, They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves... And we, that's the woman at the well that went back and got, told the crowd about this guy that exposed her sin, Christ. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. I think about Romans 10, 16, Romans 10, 17. You know how beautiful are the feet of those that bring. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. They came and they heard for themselves the very one. And her message to all her people that she went back to her town, uh, Samaria, and said, Hey, this was, her, this was her witness. This is what she told everybody. Come see a man that showed me all my sin. That was her witness. That was her testimony. And they came and they heard for themselves and they understood that He's the Savior of the world. John 6. Go to John 6.51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give him for the, for the life of the world is my flesh. So all things else don't satisfy, but eat the bread of life. 
That's what kind of what we do when we do the Lord's Supper. Look at John 8, 12. I quoted it a while ago. John 8, 12. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And think about all believers have the light of life. And really, the Bible even describes that with Him, Christ being the light of life, that that light shines way down the pathway, like what the future, you know, where we want to be headed, but it also has a lamp unto our feet. So it's every step. So it's wherever you're headed, but also it's wherever step you take, the lamp and the light. So He's the light of the world. And everybody who follows Him will not walk in darkness. Look at, look at John 8, 23. He said to them, boy, this is strong. The place that you belong. Look what He says. He said to them, you are from below. A lot of people think that hell is in the center of the earth. And, and I mean, that, that's a good argument. Uh, especially when you see the things coming out of the abyss in the book of Revelation. You know, the abyssos opened and fire and smoke and all these demonic... And so it's good, you know. Of course, if you're looking at a globe, you could argue, you know, blow. I mean, could be different, you know. Blows up when it's, you know, whatever. We move on. You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. So folks, if we're going to follow Christ, we cannot be of this world. We can be in it, but we can't be of it. Look down, uh, go to John, we've got to go to John 12. John 12, 25 says, Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So your pursuit is not you becoming something in this world. It's you surrendering you, following Christ for all He wants you to live in this world. John 13, 1. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father having loved His own, who were in the world, He loved them to the max. It says, translated, He loved them to the end. He was going to depart out of the world. They were going to be in the world. He loved them to the max is kind of how you can translate that. John 14, 17 says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Y'all remember reading this. I think I started out with this last week. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. Of course, that's personhood to the Spirit. You know Him, for He dwells with you. And, and who was with Him right then? Jesus. But He will be in you. So, that's my argument we last week. The Spirit represents Christ. We know what the Spirit's going to be like. He's going to be Christ in spirit form. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. A peace we have. By the way, peace, real peace, the, the arene is the word. He owns peace, is how that Bible, how the Scriptures are saying it. it he owns peace. So, true peace, true peace can only be found uh, 
through the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 30. I, I, am no long, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. Now, now obviously Satan's presence and demons were already everywhere. Fallen angels were doing their things. We know that from reading the Old Testament. Demons were doing their thing because Jesus had cast out many demons. But Jesus and the Satan, so Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the God of the saints. So we know, but Jesus says, now think, put your hats on. I may even let you answer this out loud. Uh, the root, I will not talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. What was, what was transpiring during these moments? Remember who had left the group? Judas had left the group and he had gone and sold Jesus out like he was a slave for 30 pieces of silver. And guess who was headed to arrest Jesus? The Roman guards. Ultimately, all from the movement of the devil. But, but he says about the devil, because he's the God of the age, he has no claim on me. I'm saying is Jesus is sinless. Right? He's going to be an innocent substitute. He can't make Jesus feel guilty. He's not going to condemn Jesus. I mean, legally he'll be condemned by the Romans and the Jews. But nothing. he has no claim. We, we can't say that. You know, he is the accuser of the brothers. The Satan is, right? That's what it says. He's the accuser. Well, you know, when he accuses me, he's right. I am a wicked sinner. But guess where Jesus is? Clothed as a great high priest. Interceding for us. Great promise. John 15, 18. John 15, 18. I'm running out of time. If the world hates you, John 15, 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. John 15, 19. I'm going to have to stop with this one because I've got to go to 1 John. This, this is the only verse in the Bible the word world appears five times. So I had to include it. If you were of the world, the world would love you as it's on. Okay? Think about how you fit in the world. I mean, are you one of the world's own? I mean, are you, at, are you comfortable with the vileness of this world, with the, the, the wretchedness, with the lies and the perversions. And is that, are you comfortable here? And this goes into where Paul argues we're aliens and strangers. It's just, um, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remind you, you didn't choose Jesus, but Jesus chose you. If you have your Bibles with you, go to 1 John and we'll close with this. I struggle with this just reading Scripture for the whole, whole sermon, but, but that's okay. There's nothing better than God's Word. 1 John 2.2 2. All the verses I read will be right here in John chapter 2. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Again, 
That's, that's a, basically a, a semi-quote from John 3.16. He is the propitiation. He paid the punishment for. He took the place of. He bore the guilt and the punishment. Propitiation for our sins. Then he says, but not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Now folks, obviously, he's talking about potential salvation. What I'm saying, and he's talking about it's more than just the Jews. He died so anybody anywhere can respond to the gospel and be saved. John 2.15. Now here's where the rubber meets the road. Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. And by the way, the Bible says in the book of Acts, God has given us all things to enjoy. You enjoy them. You don't worship them. You don't bow down to them. You, they don't own you. There's only one that owns you. Christ. Because He bought you with His own blood. Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. Folks, it is, it is hard today. Uh, look what he says. I'm going to come back to that. Look at what he says in verse. Do not love the world, things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, by the way, that's a command. Do not love the world. It's imperative. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And it says, verse 17, and the world is passing away. The world is passing away. It's the idea there is that the world's track or trek is taking a wrong path. And in the path that it's taking, it's walking along a path that's absolutely headed the wrong way. And the end of that path is destruction. So the world is passing away. We know how it's going to end. We know what's going to happen to the world as in the cosmos as we know it at the end. It's going to be destroyed by what? Fire. It was destroyed once by water. It'll be destroyed at the end by fire. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. That word passing away, when I was reading the reading and studying the words, and, and again, it's not exactly, but it, I kept thinking about, because I'd been looking at pictures, they'd sent me, Scott had sent me a picture of Sarah, and it, I was, it, it just had eaten away. And I think about people that are duped by the world are just being eaten alive, so to speak, by the devil and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life because that's not from Christ. That's of the world. And, and, but that is passing away. 
He says the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God. Now, look at this. Whoever does abides forever. And so everything we do for Christ carries with it eternality. Your act of obedience is an obedience for eternity. And I'm telling you, the Bible's clear, what we do in the next kingdom has everything to do with what we do in this kingdom. Jesus is our King, and we serve Him on this earth here and now. Listen to two other verses, cross-references, <clears throat> if you don't mind. This is 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It says, in their case, talking about lost people that have rejected the gospel, the God of this world, G, little g, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So they've... In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds. Ephesians, that's 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Ephesians 2.2 2 says, In which you once walked, before you were saved, following the course of this world. I love that. You, before you got saved, you're, you know, when I tell people, when I got saved at 16, but... I was a product of the world. If, if the world, can, people around me convinced me to smoke dope, guess what I did? Say it. Smoke dope. If it was cool to talk like a sailor, curse like a sailor, that's what I did. Bully, I did a bully. It, whatever the world said do, that's what I did. And folks, even as a saved, even with my new nature in Christ, even having all this Bible knowledge like you do, I can still be worldly in a Minnesota minute. Whatever a man thinks, so is he. I mean, I may not do it on the outside, but I'm world. I'll tell you, I know, and I know I'm way over time, but if I go to Costco. I know I'm worldly because I could buy everything in there. Seriously. I, they have stuff I've never seen. I want it. I want it. I, I want it. And so I don't go much, but I want it because I'm worldly. I want those worldly. Because guess what? I don't care what it is. I, and Costco would replace it if it broke, but that doesn't matter. It's going to pass away, right? It's all passing away. Listen, and again, people that have given, going back to football, people that have given millions of dollars to help Alabama and Auburn and all these schools do whatever they do, that's great. But if they're a Christian and they've robbed God to do that, shame on them. And I'll tell you what, in your little world, it may not be the millions, may not be tens of thousands, but it may be hundreds. If you've done that to the kingdom, shame on them you. Shame on you if you spend more on your cell phone than you do in the kingdom. Shame on you. Shocking. It's wrong. Paul said in Romans 12, 2, we'll finish. Do not be conformed to this world. Right? That's what the world wants to do. They want you, that word conformed 
the word really means to shove into a mold. And I used to have a little toy that, that you poured this stuff in these molds when you were little kids and baked it. It wasn't the easy bake oven, that's another thing. But you'd make these rubber little animals. You'd pour, what's the name of that? Creepy crawlers. You'd pour that, it stunk like nobody's business when you cooked it. But you'd pour it into a mold, and what you'd pour it in a mold of a frog, you'd get a frog. The Bible says, do not be do not be shoved into the mold of the world. Folks, you're a lying to yourself and you're lying to God if you don't think this is a big issue. Because it is. Amen. We don't want to be worldly. We don't want to pursue the things of this world that are passing away. God help us. Amen. Let's stand together for prayer. Thank you so much for your presence this morning. Tonight at 6, choir's at 4.30. You can join the choir tonight, anytime, right, Moses, anytime. He has an open door policy. You come, you can sing. Not a solo, but you can sing. You can sing in the choir. Let's pray together. Oh, dear God, thank You for Your grace and mercy. God, help us. I... I so desire not to be conformed to this world. Lord, help me to to deny the spirit of the age and the prince of the power of the air, the lust of my flesh. God, help me to refute those things. Help me to rebuke those things. And Lord, help me to be sanctified in Your Word. God, help me to hold every thought captive to obey Jesus Christ and help me lead this church to do the same. Dismiss us now. May Your grace and mercy follow us. May we be the salt and the light of this world. In Jesus' name, Amen. See you tonight at 6, 4.30 choir. God bless you. If you need anything, see Sam Spivey.